Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lenz, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people and how to apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. As always, you can learn more about the program and our church when you download our free Living Truth app. And now here's the conclusion of Pastor Michael's teaching in Ephesians 4, 1 through 6, called A Worthy Walk. Now we need to do this, walking worthily with all humility, all gentleness. See the third word? It gets harder, folks. With implication, all, what? Patience. Patience. Uh, literally, the word could be translated long-temperedness. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. So what's the opposite of long-tempered? You got it. It's being short-tempered. So Paul says, if I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, 1 Corinthians 13, 1, but do not have love, I become a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy, I know all mysteries and all knowledge. If I have all faith so as to remove mountains but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all my possessions to feed the poor, I'm doing good works, verse 3. If I deliver my body to be burned, I even become a martyr, but do not have love, it profits me how much? See how the Bible is all or nothing? The Bible doesn't say you get a little profit out of it. It says it's nothing. Love is, what's the first description of love? Love is patient. Love is patient. What does that mean? Well, when you look at the word patient, it actually speaks of not necessarily patient in circumstances, but more specifically, it means to be patient with people. Let me say that one more time. Patient with people. Now, we can get impatient with all kinds of circumstances, uh, waiting in lines, all that stuff, and, and certainly we've all experienced one level of that or another. But this word means to be patient with people, and it's actually an attribute that God extends to us because God is patient toward you, not willing that any should what? Perish, but all should come to repentance. How patient has God been with you? How patient has he been? How patient is he with the world of unbelievers? I mean, how many times, if, if you could describe God in human terms, would you say that God, if he had one of those switches like the president's supposed to have, you know, the button that just ends it all, poof. How many times a day do you think that that would be a temptation? Okay, it's over. It's over, <laughs> right? I'd be up there with my finger poised over that thing all day long. Or at least I'd aim it at individuals. <laughs> and so, love is patient. It means it suffers long. It's, it's slow to respond in a way that would destroy another. It's kind. It's not jealous. It does not brag. And then look at the final description there. It is not what? Arrogant. And then we come back full circle to pride again. Now back to Ephesians. So in this worthy walk, it's several things. It's all humility, all gentleness, all patience. 
And then the next phrase says, showing forbearance to one another. Showing forbearance to one another. Uh, This is a close expression to putting up with. However, Paul's use of the term has positive connotations. It describes being patient with the shortcomings of others. Often we ask God to be patient with our own failings and yet do not exercise the type, this type of patience uh, ourselves. New King James Study Bible says that. This is showing forbearance. This is what you might call sanctified perseverance. It's putting up with somebody even though it's tough to put up with them. It's time to put up <laughs> or shut up, right? Because we can, we can complain all day long about how somebody is, but, but unity is about showing forbearance to one another. Remember that the whole scripture is about unity. How can we have unity if we don't show forbearance to one another? We are so diverse. Get this, we have the same father, spiritually speaking, okay? So take it on a human level. A lot of you in the room have siblings. How much like your siblings are you? A lot of you are very different. Some of you are kind of alike. But you came from the same father and mother. How is it that you're so different? Yet you are brothers. But you have differences. But you're supposed to what? Still love each other. And so love is an accepting word. As a matter of fact, in the Hebrew language, love means the father revealed. Jesenius tells us that this word means to desire or to breathe after. It's the word ahav. Jewish teaching uh, says that the sound of the deer panting after the water and of King David desiring God is heard in the sound ahav, or the Hebrew word for love. Try saying it as if you were panting and you will see what they mean. Ahav, ahav, ahav. That's the word love and it means the father revealed. The Father is revealed through the church as the church pants after God. The Father is on display. But when we're going after our own water brooks, if you will, we get in some trouble. And so look at these descriptors now. It says, we are to show forbearance to one another. This is how we do it, in love. And we are being diligent. That's a a present uh, uh, tense. It means we got to keep doing it. We need to be diligent continually is the idea to preserve what? What are we preserving? The unity, verse three, of the spirit in the bond of peace. We must be diligent. NIV says make every effort. NEB says spare no effort. Uh, the NIV Uh, to keep the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. ESV says, be eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Why do you think that's so? Why do you think that Paul emphasized this so greatly in this passage? Why? Because if we don't do it, we lose our message. Think about marriage, for example. Marriage is supposed to be a picture of Christ and his church, Christ and his bride. But when people get divided in their marriage, what happens? The message gets muddied. And then there's all these circumstances that follow in that wake. Now, sometimes that's out of your control. Some of you have been hurt, uh, wounded by that. You've experienced that and so on. But Paul is saying for the church, we have to endeavor and we do this To preserve the unity of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit's involved in our unity, how do we do it? In the bond 
of peace. The word bond means a joint, a ligament. It means the middle thing by which two or more things are joined together. So turn to Colossians. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. Look at chapter 3, verse 14. Paul's talking about putting on the new man, and he says, this is in light of our calling, Colossians 3.12, and so, Colossians 3.12, as those who have been chosen of God, holy and beloved, put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bearing with one another, Colossians 3.13, and forgiving each other, Whoever has a complaint against anyone, just as the Lord forgave you, so also should you. And beyond all these things, put on love, which is the perfect what? Bond of unity. Love's what holds it all together. And then look at the next uh, verse. And let the, here's our next word, the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you are called in one body, and be thankful. Let His peace make the call. The word rule there is the word from which we get the idea of an umpire. Umpire calls you safer out, right? We should let the peace of Christ so rule in our hearts, says Paul, that we let his shalom make the call. In other words, think of it this way. What's gonna make for peace right now in this situation? If I make this decision, will it make for shalom? Will it make for peace? Will it make for well-being is the idea of peace? It's not, just a, it's not just a subjective feeling of peace. It's overall well-being. Let his peace make the call. And the only times that we're really good at that, back to Ephesians, is when his Holy Spirit is in us making the call. It's hard to be a peacemaker. <laughs> it's dangerous to be a peacemaker. Have you ever seen uh, uh, an umpire arguing with a manager? I love when they get right next to each other, you know, like an inch away from each other. And they're just doing that thing. And then somebody tries to get in between the player or an angry player in the dugout, you know. Do you see that video? I, th- I think it was a Boston player. He's beating up. He was destroying a phone in the dugout. You don't want to get between him and the phone, okay? Just let him ruin the phone. You can talk to him after. Bat- broke the bat. But when people try to get in the middle and they try to pull people out of that, you know what ends up happening? They get it. They get a haymaker, right? I was just trying to break up the fight. It's hard to be a peacemaker. There's a cost to try to make peace, but the Bible's saying that blessed are the peacemakers, for they are children of God. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there is disorder in every evil thing. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable gentle, reasonable, full of mercy and good fruits, unwavering without hypocrisy. And the seed whose fruit is righteousness is sown by peace, is sown in peace by those who make peace. You know what? That is what the church, that's our message. We have come to the world with a message of peace. Reconciliation to God. Are you the peacemaker in your family? It's, it's nice to have a peacemaker because the peacemaker is usually saying, all right, everybody. Calm down. I'm not going to calm down. You're holding somebody's shirt. I'm not going to calm. Calm down. <laughs> right? Look, let's get to the root of this, but let's not kill each other while we do it. I think it was Chuck Missler who said that Christians are the only one who have their firing squads in a circle. And so many New Testament scholars believe that verses four through six, and we'll stop at verse six, 
was an early confessional hymn of the church. I want you to count the number of ones that you'll see in the next verses. We'll read them all together. You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. Thanks for tuning in to Walk in Truth today. Did you know there's more where that came from? Download the Living Truth app to listen to more of Pastor Michael's teachings whenever you want. You can even watch videos. And if you're local to Southern California, you can get updates on church events, new studies, and more. Download the free Living Truth app today. Producer Rob Newton here, and on behalf of Pastor Michael and the Walk in Truth team, thank you so much to our financial and prayer partners. Whether you have given a one-time donation or you have become a monthly partner, you have contributed to our mission to reach out with God's truth to all people and helping listeners like you apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. You've heard that before, right? Well, we mean it. Thanks to our financial partners, we have added three new radio stations this year. Our prayer is to bless our new listeners the way we have hopefully been a blessing to you. If you're a longtime listener, would you please consider becoming a $5 a month partner? That may not seem like much, but every little bit makes it possible for us to continue our broadcasts, podcasts, and free apologetic events. Please become a partner giving at least $5 a month. Visit walkintruth.com to donate or call 844-48-TRUTH. That's walkintruth.com or call 844-48-TRUTH. We'd love to see who's listening, so please connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Just do a search for Walkin' Truth Show. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walkin' Truth. When they get right next to each other, you know, like an inch away from each other, and they're just doing that thing, and then somebody tries to get in between the player, or an angry player in the dugout, you know? Do you see that video? I, th- I think it was a Boston player. He was beating up. He was destroying a phone in the dugout. You don't want to get between him and the phone, okay? Just let him ruin the phone. You can talk to him after. Bat- broke the bat. But when people try to get in the middle and they try to pull people out of that, you know what ends up happening? They get it. They get a haymaker, right? I was just trying to break up the fight. It's hard to be a peacemaker. There's a cost to try to make peace, but the Bible's saying that blessed are the peacemakers, for they are children of God. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there is disorder in every evil thing. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, reasonable, full of mercy and good fruits, unwavering without hypocrisy. And the seed whose fruit is righteousness is sown by peace, is sown in peace by those who make peace. You know what? That is what the church, that's our message. We have come to the world with a message of peace, reconciliation to God. Are you the peacemaker in your family? It's, it's nice to have a peacemaker because the peacemaker is usually saying, all right, everybody, calm down. I'm not going to calm down. You're holding somebody's shirt. I'm not going to calm Calm down, <laughs> right? Look, let's get to the root of this, but let's not kill each other while we do it. I think it was Chuck Missler who said that Christians are the only one who have their firing squads in a circle. And so many New Testament scholars believe that verses four through six, and we'll stop at verse six, was an early confessional hymn of the church. I want you to count the number of ones that you'll see in the next verses. We'll read them all together. There is one body and one spirit, four, four. Just as you are called in one hope of your calling, there is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, 
one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. How many ones do you see there? There are seven of them. There are seven ones. We are one, we are one, we are one. You think Paul's trying to make a point there? See, what connects us is the oneness with which we are called and all of these connections. We have, we are one body, we have the same Holy Spirit, just keep tracking with me. We have one hope that we share together in Christ. We have one Lord Jesus. We have one faith, once for all delivered to the saints, one baptism. It could be called into the body of Christ there through, through baptism in the Holy Spirit. One God and Father of all who is over all and, in, and through all and in all or in you all, as Paul was probably from the South. In y'all. One, 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 one. That's what you are in Jesus Christ. One body, one body, one church, one spirit connected to to the Lord Jesus Christ. We have one Lord, we have one faith, we have one baptism. Wouldn't it be nice if that was was reflected in the life of the church? There's a story of the the cats of Kilkenny. A well-known limerick conveys a message very pertinent to all of us in the Lord's body. It speaks of two cats, each of which had an overrated opinion of itself. The arrogance of these two felines ultimately led to the demise of both. There once were two cats of Kilkenny. Each thought that there was one cat too many. They fought and they spit, they clawed and they bit, till instead of two cats, there weren't any. You see, that's often what happens. We claw and we fight and we say, I gotta have this and I gotta have that and eventually what we are fighting for is gone. Now we don't have anything. And Paul says, you know what? We are one in Jesus Christ. One Lord, we have one faith, we have one baptism, we have one God and Father of all who is over all, through all and in all. And so to sum up, Verse 1 says we balance our walk with our calling. Verse 2 speaks of humility, meekness, patience, forbearance, and love. We need to spare no effort to preserve the unity, and we do that in peace. That's verse 3. There are seven one unifiers, one body, one spirit, one hope, etc., one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, and one Father. And he is over all and through all, and he is in all of us. Praise God. Father, help us to preserve the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. Let us walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which we've been called. We want to honor you by understanding these different attributes that are there. We want to apply them to our lives. And these particular attributes are found in other places in Scripture and they are extremely challenging because they are probably the areas that we wrestle the most. To be patient, to be long-suffering, to bear with others that we find difficult. But we are to preserve a oneness that is a real oneness, and that oneness amazingly is tied to the members of the Trinity. God the Holy Spirit, God the Father, God the Son. And just as you cannot be divided nor can your church be divided. Ultimately, we are one no matter how we behave. We are still one. 
but we want to act in a manner worthy of that reality, Lord. And forgive us for the many times that we have, we have shown a divided front instead of a united front. The beauty of the church is its unity in diversity. There's no cookie cutters here. One of the ways that you display the gospel and that peace between Jew and Gentile and every race and, and uh, background is by our oneness. Thank you that you've allowed us in that door, Lord. Thank you that you've made us part of the body of Jesus Christ. And thank you that you have given us an opportunity to walk worthy of a calling. You're the one that called. Now you've just said, let your life be a PS, a thank you note of gratitude as you walk around trying to match up your walk with your call. Father, we need all the help we can get. As we take communion together, communion will also speak of our oneness in Jesus. We take of one bread, one cup, as we remember the one body of our Messiah given on the cross for us. Thank you that you paid that ultimate price to make us one. You are our peace. As you keep your heart and head bowed, if there's anything in your heart right now that God spoke to you through this message and said, you know what, that's something you need to deal with, then be of good cheer because you're not alone. But go ahead and just do some business with God before you take of the Lord's Supper. Remember, this is a celebration and it's a commemoration, but it's also a time of deep reflection. And so, Father, as each of us just spend time meditating on the Word of God, may you just cleanse us and refresh us. May you strengthen us in areas where walls need to come down. Father, help us in areas where we just need more patience and help us with people that we might struggle with. And let us remember that we are one in Jesus Christ and act in such a way that we might reflect that. Let us be initiators of peace as much as it depends upon us to live at all at peace with all people. I pray for these precious saints, Lord, because I know they love you. And I pray you'll bless them for their desire to be obedient, to sit under the teaching of the word of God and, and to want to run with it as a precious thing. And I know you want to bless them for that desire. So I also pray that they will know that you are a strengthening help and that they would not hesitate to call upon you for strength and not feel um, condemned because you never condemn us, but just to maybe even send some conviction if needed to, to change course in areas where they need it and also to celebrate areas that you've given them victory in these particular areas. Maybe where they were once weak, they are now strong. And those are things to celebrate. So we, we give all that to you in Jesus' name. Amen. You've been listening to A Worthy Walk, Part 3 on Walk in Truth. That was Pastor Michael's teaching in Ephesians 4, verses 1 through 6. Remember, if you missed any part of today's program, you could listen to Walk in Truth on the Living Truth app or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you'd like to learn more about Walk in Truth, our church, and the events and studies we have going on, then download our free Living Truth app in your app store. The Living Truth app is the one with the red logo with the pillars. Now, here's Pastor Michael. Well, the reason that we want to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which we've been called is because our God is worthy. Jesus is worthy of our best. 
and he'll give us the strength to walk in a manner worthy. Of course, it's going to take our own decision-making, us getting to our Bibles, getting to our knees, but in the end, we walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which we've been called because he is worth it. He is worthy. You know, we would be unworthy slaves if we only did that which was required of us. And, uh, you know, that's in one of Jesus's parables. And the idea there is if you just do the minimum to get by, well, we'd be unworthy slaves. We want to be worthy slaves. Now, what does that mean? That means we want to give him our best because he gave us his best, made us in his image, purchased us out of the slave market of sin. You get the idea. He's been so good to us, we want to give him our best. Now, you might say, well, how do we do that? Well, hey, the next message on Walk in Truth is going to have some insight because it's going to be how God equips us to serve. And that starts tomorrow right here on Walk in Truth. Hey, invite a friend and tell them about what you've been hearing on this station. Keep us in prayer. We appreciate you. We love you. And Lord willing, we'll be right here tomorrow in Ephesians 4, 7 through 16, equipped to serve. God bless you. One more reminder that Walk in Truth is a listener-supported program. And thanks to listeners and church partners like you, we're now on three more radio stations. So praise God. Hey, if you're a longtime listener, would you please consider becoming a partner of at least $5 a month? Visit walkintruth.com to donate or call 844-48-TRUTH. And join us tomorrow for Pastor Michael Lance's teaching in Ephesians 4, 7 through 16, called Equipped to Serve. I'm Mike Massaro. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth. Our goal is to equip you to reach out with God's truth to all people.